the first two years the support and the love we got from the locals you know they they come in and they are excited they want to try and they gave us a chance 16 years on i'm very happy i'm very happy that this was the right decision when i first heard about great eastern haka i was absolutely intrigued how could a restaurant put Chinese, Indian and Swedish and pizza all on the same menu. But that is the miracle of this beautiful restaurant in Melbourne's Mount Waverley. Today we are speaking to Alexandra Liu who owns the restaurant with her husband Steve. Alexandra, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invite. It's so good to have you on the show. I've been, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm a bit obsessed with your restaurant, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like it expresses Melbourne so beautifully. Um, and whenever I tell people that I love this Chinese, Indian, Swedish pizza restaurant, they always want to know more. Um, tell us the story behind Great Eastern Hakka. I always start by telling anybody who asks me that we are a bit of a crazy family. We are. <laughs> And they wonder why, you know, why, you know, Chinese who who's born in India, you know, ended up in such a cold country like Sweden. I'm like, yeah, that's life, you know. But then we are we are Hakka Chinese, and we are supposed to be the nomadic kind. So we do move around when my ancestors were back in China. So I I really tell my kids, I hope this is the last move. I don't want to move anywhere. Australia suits us the best. It is so multicultural. I love it. I love it. You know, it suits us so much. You know, we can get whatever we want, you know, from the Indian spices to the the Chinese Asian vegetables, whatever. Back in Sweden, it was a little bit hard because there was not much of a market that time. You know, you couldn't get a lot of the the fresh vegetables. I remember going back, uh, visiting my family in India. My mom would ask me, what do you want to take back with you? Chinese veggies. And she was like, what? You want to take vegetables back with you? I said, yes, because that's what I miss the most. You know, we would take back taro, bitter melon, you know, okra. You know, you couldn't get that back then in Sweden. Oh, man. But, you know, Australia is the best. You know, you go to Dandenong Market or you just go to the Chinese grocers in Glen Waverley. You get everything. I don't, I, I do miss Sweden a lot, but I, I don't want to move back. This is the best. Wow, it's it's such a it's such a great story of immigration and threads through all sorts of different, I guess, historical moments. So the the Hakka Chinese, there's a big Hakka Chinese community who settled in Kolkata like more than a hundred years ago, right? Yes. And that Chinese Indian cuisine is pretty well known with spices, but Chinese sauces, you know, wok cooking. Um, but then, you know, to take that cuisine to Sweden and have those other influences and, and I suppose also coping with the lack of some of the ingredients that you hope to cook with. I mean, it's such a, it's just such an interesting human story as well as a food story. Um, but for people who perhaps don't know much about Chinese Indian food, shall we, shall we start there and just tell us a bit about what that style of food is? Yeah, sure. Um, it's widely known as Indo-Chinese. If you ask uh, most of the uh, Indian uh, people, they will say, oh, Indo-Chinese, because that was created when the Chinese landed first in India. Uh, coming from China, you know, and then Chinese people is all about food. You know, food, family, that's what brings us together. And when the, the Chinese started opening up restaurants, they realized that this food doesn't suit the Indian palate. So then they, uh, you know, they started exploring local ingredients, spices, and that's when they infused the Chinese and the Indian. 
that's how you, the most popular dishes you'll get is the chili chicken, the Manchurian chicken. That is all, you know, Indo-Chinese. It's the Indian and the Chinese combined together. Ask any, yeah, ask any Indian, the first thing they will sell you, chili chicken. Yeah, so it's sort of sweet and sour with almost a glazed sauce. and the, the, Yeah, yeah. And then also noodle dishes, right? Noodle dishes is a very big part of the Chinese cooking because we, we noodles, they are, they are long for a reason because they symbolize longevity, right? And then that one, when we stir fry uh, together with fresh vegetables and, you know, if you want meat, you... You do that and people are like, whoa, what is this? You know, because Indian cuisine is all about eating rice and uh, rotis and chapatis. And then you come in with this, you know, you know, those long threads of, you know, something fancy and something very, very, (laughs) very intriguing. But fortunately, it worked out very well. You know, it's it's so big in the in the Indian cooking now, you know, noodles. Yeah, it's massive. And I think it's um, uh, all over India now you find this Indo-Chinese and some of the, you know, favourite dishes um, in any part of India will be will have that influence. And so then quite a few um, Hakka Chinese who are in Calcutta also then moved to Sweden. Things perhaps weren't very easy for Chinese in, um, in India. And then there was, you know, a, a bit of a, a, another diaspora created. I mean, w- tell us, and it was am I right in thinking that it was when you moved to Sweden that you opened your first restaurant? Uh, my relatives my uncle actually moved to uh, Sweden before us. you know you, it's like you know you, you go and try it out first you know it worked out well for him then uh, then a lot of people heard that oh Sweden uh, was easy you know life was not as difficult you know then a lot of the Chinese started moving in uh, into Sweden as well that's the same for Steve my husband's uncle he he moved to Sweden first as well and you know the news started spreading around that it was easier and then people uh, the uh, they tried to you know get us help to get us out of India you know you know relatives you know working out you know help each other to make life easier for the next generation so that's how um we ended up in Sweden, yeah. Right. And um, tell us about Swedish food and how this sort of um, crept into your life. Uh, it's funny because my eldest daughter was born back in Sweden. And then when we cook at home, we never eat rice every day, right? So one time, um, we, we, I don't know, for some reason, we were eating rice every day. And my daughter asked me, Mom, what's wrong? Why are we eating rice every day? Because we never used to. We always used to have potatoes and pastas. <laughs> so that that's that's you know that's the uh, that's the mingling part. Uh, how do you put it? Uh, the mixing point. The first mixing point for me when I moved to Sweden. Then you know I start eating other things besides rice and noodles, and then I pass that on to my daughter. You know, so we eat everything my 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 daughter she loves her potatoes she loves her meatballs you know she eats her gravalax which is the uh the cured salmon she eats the herrings you 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 have to you know uh how to explain i mean when you when you move to a new country for us we 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 have uh we think that we need to uh explore yeah that's that's how you survive <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I I really wasn't aware of Swedish pizzas and the really like strong and exciting culture around them. Can you explain Swedish pizzas for people who don't know much about it? Yeah. Swedish pizza, everything made from scratch. People compare a lot of it to uh, Italian pizza, but 
it, it is very unique on its own. We do our dough ourselves, you know, it's handmade and we cook on, uh, mostly we cook on the stone top and electric oven because uh, back in those days, uh, wood-fired ovens wasn't that popular. So we, we learn our craft using just stone base. So we are still using the stone base but electric oven in uh, the restaurant. So freshly made every time you order. Every time you order, it's handmade, open. The sauce we uh, do ourselves, the cheese we buy blocks which we shred our, ourselves because we so we know exactly what we are using. Ingredients fresh, uh, which you know Steve prepares every day. Um, um, what else? Uh, it's very different. The the base itself has a flavor on its own. You uh, we usually bake it sometimes as a bread, just plain. Uh, and you you will be able to taste that. You know, it's very very different. And the toppings are, qu- are quite extraordinary as well. Um, tell us about the toppings. The toppings is uh, usually more gourmet. We have been always using freshly sliced eifelet uh, with gorgonzola cheese and uh, red onion. Or we have um, uh, lamb tenderloin, which we put with uh, goat cheese and pair it with some cherry tomatoes. So it's, it's a lot like... Um, uh, gourmet on the, the moment you serve it you're like you should say whoa wow you know this is a topping that I don't usually see in a lot of restaurants you know uh, maybe now but back then it's it's huge well I think it's that you know what surprised me was that it's a sort of almost kebab style meat sliced meats on it and then pepperoni which is a, a pickled chili there's a creamy dressing that goes over the top yeah that that pizza is a kebab pizza which is the old like to uh, it's a it's a tribute to our background back in India right so in uh, back in sweden there's a lot of other uh, lebanese uh, restaurants that open up pizza they do the gyro style but then we were like now nah, we're going to do it our way the indian way but so we used the good uh, topside um, uh, beef and then we marinate with the indian kebab flavors and then that is cooked yeah in the oven yes very different <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good and what about the um pickled cabbage side of things that is the traditional haka cooking. That is like more home cooking. So bit by bit, we introduce a few dishes uh, into the menu to trying to educate, uh, you know, people that this cuisine exists too, you know. It's not like the Indo-Chinese, but it is the traditional haka cooking that we cook at home and we eat with family. And it's a lot of work, the one with the pickled radish that you tried, because my mother-in-law actually got the recipe from... Uh, her mother and her grandmother. So Steve is the fourth generation who's got that recipe. That's amazing. But then is it true, like in Sweden, uh, the pizza's always served with pickled cabbage? That's right. That's true too. Because cabbage is a big, uh, is a, it's big on the menu in Sweden. So then uh, the Swedish pizza, we have a lot of cheese on. So people, you know, sometimes say, oh, it's a bit uh, salty because of the cheese. So then we started uh, serving it with this pickled cabbage, which is a bit sour and a bit sweet. So it just balances it out really well. Yeah, it's I just it's just for me this is just the most thrilling part of food, where it just it's um yeah there's so much narrative to it, but then at the same time it's just a it's just a great feed. So I mean, tell us about opening Great Eastern Hacker in in Mount Waverley. Tell us about. Um, yeah, what impression Australia made on you and then in turn the impression that you've made on your own community? The impression, um, I would say, like, this, there's a lot of love in Australia. 
that was what we felt uh, oh, 16 and a half years ago when we opened up uh, Great Eastern. Sorry, I'm choking up because it's always emotional for me when I think about the first two years, the support and the love we got from the locals, you know, they, they come in and they are excited, they want to try and they gave us a chance. And 16 years on, I'm very happy. I'm very happy that this was the right decision. You know, we moved here and we made it, you know. And then uh, that is why Steve and myself, we give it back, you know. We help our local schools, you know, whatever. I supported my daughter's school in the mini fates that they, they come up with. Doesn't matter, you know. We have to give it back, you know. And yeah, <laughs> sorry, I... I it is emotional. I mean, I feel it too. And I think you can really feel it in the restaurant um, that it's a, you know, it's, it's, um, it's in a neighborhood strip. It's not, um, it's not flashy. Uh, there's a lot of love there though. Yeah. We haven't advertised anything and, you know, everything we have now, it's just been word of mouth. Word of mouth bought you to us, daddy, to be honest. Right. I mean, like, yeah, the girl who actually asked you to come visit us, she used to work for me and I still in contact with her. I, I love her. You know, she still comes and sees us time to time, you know. And I mean, it's it's the community, you know, that's the because I don't have any other family here in Australia. And this is my family. My kids always tell me you spend more time at work. I say, yeah, because I love it. You know, I love it. I go there, I meet the people, you know, they know me, they know my kids. My two younger girls were born in Australia. They've seen me from the time I was skinny till now, not so skinny. <laughs> they, 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 they see my girls walking to school, you know, and they, they, they keep an eye on them. You know, they come and tell me, I saw, you know, so-and-so, she was chatting up with somebody. I said, good, good. You know, I, I want you to keep me, you know, on track, you know, so, you know, my kids are not up to mischief. I, I love it. This is a community, no, I will not forget. Ah, yes. That's, yeah, so, so beautiful. And I mean, what, tell us about your customers, like what, um, what do they come to your restaurant for? What, what do they, what do they tell you they love about it? Uh, I have a lot of, uh, Indian customers, I have a lot of uh, Aussie customers, Caucasians, they, they, they love it that we are very flexible as well because a lot of my dishes are Indo-Chinese, they can be pretty spicy for the local palate but like everything on the menu, 98% of everything on the menu is controlled by Steve and myself so we know exactly what we can, what we can take out and put in. I have customers who are allergic to many things and we are able to twist and tweak our menu just to suit them that is the reason they come back because they know they can trust us to look after what we are cooking for them and then for the Indian customers if they think it's not spicy they want us to notch it up a bit no problem done you know we can we have all the all the sauces you know Steve it's very spicy himself he knows how to handle it <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's why, that's the one thing that we get, that's the one big feedback we get from our customers is that we are able to cater to them individually. If we can, we will, definitely. That That's how we work it. Tell us about, you know, obviously it's been a very challenging few years um, and I think neighbourhood restaurants supported their communities but they also needed their communities. Like, tell us about these COVID times and, and how you navigated them. The hardest hit was when they they put the five kilometers uh, radius, um, uh, the you know the yeah, and 
because a lot of my customers travel from far to come and eat our food. Like from they come, they drive 45 minutes from Pakenham, Berwick. That's where a lot of my cus- uh, Indian customer clientele live. And then to in Keysborough. And then, you know, we started working out, you know, what we should do. And then on the same time, I know a lot of the locals are helping us. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of the customers on the outside are also missing us. So then, and my staff was like, you know, there was no work for them. So I had to make sure that they still come back to me when the restaurants open. So I kept them busy. So they, they drove the delivery for me. I didn't join Uber or any of those companies because I want to give that money to my own staff. So my, my, my serving staff, they drove. They drove to Keysborough to serve all the customers just like they would when they came to me. That is how we, we, we kept do, during the COVID times. Wow, it's really amazing. I mean, it really shows loyalty to your staff and also your customers. And I mean, have you found that you've you've managed to retain staff and that all those customers have come back now? Uh, they are yes, I have managed to retain some of my staff, uh, and then uh, most of my customers are coming back. They are coming back. Love it. Yeah. Um, so next time I come, Alexandra, what do you reckon I should eat? Next time you come. Um, you know, that's a tricky question because people always say, oh, I want to come back for that I had last time. I know. That's, <laughs> that's a problem when everything's good. That's right. <laughs> you you should come. I'm sure Steve will have some kind of a treat for you. He has so many things up his sleeve. Really? Yep. He has so many things up his sleeve and he's always, I'm the guinea pig. You know, he always, oh, I try, I feel like trying to do this on the pizza. We should try this this weekend. Every Sunday we have pizza, Steve and myself and the staff, you know. Yeah, and we are just guinea pigs on Sundays. You know, he always like, we should be doing this. And then he slowly and slowly he introduces us on the menu. I love that. That's so good. Can you think of any crazy combos that he's put in front of you recently? Uh, Recently he has been obsessed with um, the Wagyu beef because one of uh, our... uh, uh, one of my staff actually found, uh, you know, this uh, Korean barbecue, you know, where they are doing the Wagyu beef. And then he is now thinking to have that on his pizza. And we tried it. Very honestly, we tried it. It was superb. It was superb. The meat. And then he is thinking about how to, uh, you know, um, Make it better because, you know, Wagyu beef A5 is very sensitive to heat and he was thinking um, how, how he should cook it so he's not overdoing it. So he's still working on it, but it will it will come come up very soon. I'm very sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like why not? Like add Korean to the mix. <laughs> why not? Yeah. So he is still fooling around. So and uh, yeah, that's right. That's so great. So, I mean, tell us what you think it's like to run a restaurant in Melbourne. What are the good things? What are the hard things? Good thing is we can get almost everything at our fingertips. The hard thing is getting it delivered. I mean, a lot of places deliver now, but they want us to bring uh, buy a, a lot of things. And Steve is a control freak. He likes to control his quality. I mean, a lot of customers, a lot of, not customers, sorry, a lot of um uh, grocers, they come in and they say, oh, or butchers, they come in and say, oh, you should try buying meat from me. Uh, I'll sell you something cheaper. You know, he'll try it. But then for 16 years, we've been going to the same butcher because they have not faltered on the quality and Steve oh. will not budge. 
it's it's two times dearer but then he will not budge he said no nope, it's not as good as what i've been getting i'm sticking to the guy who's who served me and who's been loyal to me for 16 years so he he is very very particular and now with even with his veggies you know he he said when you deliver make sure i want the top one i don't i know you know when i want my green capsicum it has to be green i don't want green mixed with red he's like that <laughs> are you finding it challenging at the moment with inflation and just keeping you know uh, the balance books working yes yes things have gone up you know uh, uh, all the prices have gone up uh, to be honest we have tried to absorb the cost so we used to we used to give like a 10% to all the customers who came to pick up but lately last year we said we couldn't carry it on because we need to cover up you know you buy a lettuce for $12 in uh, you know few months back and then i'm like oh my god this this tomato is $12 a kilo and then suddenly everybody was ordering you know a lot of dishes with the tomatoes i'm like how is this going to work <laughs> Yeah, so we we had to make some some kind of a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? You know, because I know you love pleasing your customers so much, but then reality has to kick in as well. Yeah, I yeah, the first few months was a bit hard. The customers are like, "Oh, you've been doing this, uh, you know, this uh, takeaway discount for the past fifteen years. What happened?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, you know, but <laughs> we we are trying to, you know." Three years during COVID, and now with all the inflation, we 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 really need to survive first, you know. Yeah, so we we had to. But luckily, like like I've always said, the customers are understanding. You know, they forgive us. You know, and they have they they have come back. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it, they trust you. Like you've built trust over so many years, um, and it's it's yeah really clear to me how much. Uh, thought and and care you put into everything, including those relationships. So yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Um, Alexandra, it's been so lovely to chat to you. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners out there? Um, I want to thank Danny. Um, I want to thank you, Danny, for for a lot, a lot. You know, you you have uh, put us out there. I'm I'm very nervous, but I've never done this before. But you make it so comfortable that you know at least like I'm, I'm talking to you like I've been talking to you every day <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for giving us this opportunity and I would like to thank all our customers who have been giving us the chance you know they've um, really all the love all the love we are really really grateful for all the love that they have given us all the years beautiful well i'm really grateful that you're doing what you're doing in mount waverly i think it's a really special restaurant and you know it really tells th- brings together a whole different a different bunch of stories in a really beautiful way um so thank you for sharing with us today thank you very much danny for having me again this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.